0: It's six o'clock. Welcome to the um, Overeaters Anonymous Region 6 Convention. The topic of this panel is steps eight and nine. I had to remember that. Sorry. My name is Lauren, and I'm a compulsive overreader and and your moderator for this session. Um, Our speakers today are Megan and... um, Sorry. (laughs) It's Megan, first speaker, second speaker I'll introduce at the time. This session is being interpreted simultaneously. If you prefer to listen in French, please click on the interpretation button, symbol, and choose French. Closed caption is available on live transcript. Let's open
1: with the serenity prayer. God,
0: grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I will not mind be done. This session will feature two speakers who have 20 minutes each. After that, the attendees will be able to ask questions to the speakers. The audio from this session is being recorded and will not be edited. By speaking at the workshop, you give permission to be recorded. Please note that this session will be available online or as a podcast feed. As this is a webinar, as you see, As you have noted, the webinar is view only. Only the panelists are visible. Attendees are not visible to each other or to the people on the panel. Attendees are automatically muted. Please use the Q&A function and ask the panelists questions and use the chat for supportive comments. Please respect the anonymity of all those who attend included included including by refraining from screen capture or audio recording two notes for our speakers the timer will signal when 5 minutes is remaining and the time has elapsed remember you are being interpreted so speak so slowly and with that megan you are the first speaker
2: okay Uh, Thank you. My name is Megan. I'm a compulsive overeater. This is really hard to look at myself. Um, So I'm just going to put it in a gallery. Um, So uh, uh, just remember to let me know if I speak too fast. I'll tell you just a little bit of my history. This is steps eight and nine. My history is that I was overweight my whole life. I joined Overeaters Anonymous in 1977. I have lost and am maintaining a weight loss of 60 pounds. It took me 14 years to get abstinent in OA. It took me probably another six years so that would be twenty years to get a really good, solid food plan. And I have been abstinent for more than twenty years. So you might hear some New York sounds in the background. Um, my I wanted to say that my food plan is primarily based to my network. I'm sorry, I did say it again. Sorry. Okay. Keep going. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say that my food plan is based on a high protein plan in the dignity of choice pamphlet that Overeaters Anonymous sells. Um, so I wanted to go into uh, the the amends. That I mean, I did you know I did all the steps and in step seven, uh, my main character defects, which definitely play into uh, step step eight, of made a list of all persons I had harmed, became willing to make amends to them all. My main character defect is people pleasing. Severe people pleasing.
1: It's painful to think about. and uh but uh i did not make
2: so many terrible errors toward other people but i and i i didn't i didn't really notice because my mother was very negative i didn't notice that people were hurting me because she was So negative that I could not recognize when other people were negative. However, the two amends, the only formal amends I made in my whole life, were to my mother and to my father. For the first paragraph of my amends, was pretty much similar. That was, I was sorry that I yelled at them when I was younger. I was sure that it upset them. And the second paragraph for my mother was, I worked this out with my sponsor. I am sure that you did the best you could. And I thought that was, you know, true and generous. And he said, don't say I am sure. Say I know you did the best you could. And I thought, oh God, no. <laughs> I, 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 I you know, I don't know that. I was sure. Psst, 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 offload that on sure. And um, I don't want to change it. But if you don't change it. He said, I'm not, you can't move ahead. I thought, oh. So I changed it. I know you did the best that you could. And oh, you know, over a period of years, that helped me a lot because I couldn't really. I knew that she did the bitch the best she could. It wasn't good enough, but it was the best that she could do. And Then at the end of her uh, amend, I wrote that I hope we have a relationship of mutual respect. I hope that we could go forward in a relationship of mutual respect. And uh, that did not happen. (laughs) You know, what can I say? Uh, I I did want to say a couple of things. I did not do the steps in OA for seven years in the program. And that was because of steps eight and nine. I did not want to apologize. I felt I had already done everything wrong, that I was wrong, and that I didn't wanna say to somebody, I'm wrong. I was wrong. This is what I did wrong right to their face. I thought you really are supposed to hide those things. That's how I was taught, you know, bury it, you know, under the rug. And so, but I, I knew that, uh, and I was told, obviously, often enough that in order to remain abstinent, I would have to um, do these steps and all of all of the steps. So, so I did it. And it just took me a long time because of that reason. For the amends to my mother, um, I actually kept the paper. This is not the original paper, but I kept the paper on top of my pocketbook so I would remember everything. It was very short. And I think I wrote some things on my hand. (laughs) so i i just could keep it in front of me somehow and uh that helped a lot because it was kind of a safety i didn't have to just rely on memory and um yeah so so that's how i did i did actually do my father's amends first and uh the amend i made to my father was that i was i had yelled at him and uh, uh, my mother and father, and that I probably, you know, that I had distressed him by being uh, disrespectful to our religion. And I said that that was just, you know, pretty obviously by that time, no longer the case. I was not disrespectful to say the least. And, um, My father, both of these were in restaurants, and I was abstinent, and my father started to, um, I I didn't recognize it, but he he kept on kind of like, "Eh, eh, eh, eh," like that, and I thought, oh my God, what's happening? I thought, maybe he's sick. I didn't really did not know if he was having a heart attack i thought oh my god i i've done something wrong and uh he he's he's uh you know there's something wrong and he, he was crying he just was trying to hold it in
1: that was a, that was very beautiful
2: And uh, I did those uh, steps in nineteen eighty six, eighty six, eighty seven to to not approximately nineteen eighty eight, maybe went into eighty nine. And my father and I, he died in two thousand and. and my mother died in uh, 2020 and my mother uh, she'd gone to a therapist uh, for a long long time and uh, she made an amend to me she said I am sorry for the way I treated you
1: I did not treat you well.
2: She said a couple of other confusing things. And that was about uh, eight months before she died. And I was still afraid of her. And I was, she was in a nursing home at the time. And I thought, oh, you know, I, that was, that was, that was nice. I had corrected myself. I fixed myself so much in OA that it was really pretty irrelevant by that time it wasn't a verification um it it was not a relief you know I thought okay she got it off her chest and she apologized now um I did want to say that the the yeah, I have had other amends made to me, not too many. Uh, one person in the program apologized and gave me a pair of, uh, a couple of pairs of earrings, which, because I don't have pierced ears, I could not wear. And I thought that is so strange. And, um, that was about it. Now, um, and when I joined the program, it was not popular to make amends to yourself. It was not popular. That was like uh, like a crime. And um, so I, I just went through another 15 uh, week, 12 step study. And in that 12 step study, we went through, of course, steps eight and nine. And I had occasion to write an amends to myself, finally, after 45 years in the program. And I wanna read that to you. France, am I doing okay? (laughs) Okay, here we go.
1: Dear Megan, I am writing an amends to you.
2: I am sorry you went through so much emotional torture and even physical pain. I'm sorry your mother could not pay attention to you. She probably wanted children and wanted to do a good job but just couldn't. She couldn't pay attention to you and thus could not do a good job as a mother. I am sorry you were alone growing up, unable to know who you are. So you were not able to show up to friends. You couldn't be yourself because you didn't know yourself, because that was discouraged. You were loud when people did not want you to be loud, even if it was loudly on their side. I am sorry they misunderstood you. You were shy and did not believe you were worthy of anything at all because you were overweight and everyone thought that was bad. So you felt like you should hide, even though you were gregarious. It wasn't as if your enthusiasm and intensity were untrue or fake or unreal. It was as if an alternate person we were pulling you in the opposite direction. I am sorry you had this opposite pull. It hurt you your whole life. It also made you respond with withdrawal and depression when anyone disagreed with you or criticized you. You could not tell the difference if there is one. Because the lower self knew you were wrong as negation, wrong as negation by your mother taught you. And everyone else was always right about you, about any conversation. I remember my aunt. Being very mean this way, very negative to me, and no protection or speak back by my parents. I'm sorry you went through life with the lower voice taking hold so quickly. It felt like arsenic coating my body when anyone said anything negative to me. I could not overcome it or even know it was wrong. An incorrect response or that I was entitled to respond. Megan, you have five minutes left. Thank you. I never developed optional responses to my own emotions and certainly not to anyone else's emotional damage done to me. I am sorry, You had no way to respond except to go downhill, become frightened. And now, in the interest of time, I did make, I said, I'm making an amends to you about men. I said I was confused and that a man could easily take advantage of my people-pleasing nature. And the end of that amend says, I am so sorry I jeopardized you. I compromised you. I am so sorry for your lack of knowledge, lack of ability to let go of anyone. I am sorry your need for love, attention, comfort, the ideal to get a man made you so confused you followed bad advice did not develop your own feelings about what you were doing till you were probably in your 60s you could you you just could not do any better thank god now i've changed i am proud of you yeah it's hard to say I'm proud of you. Steps eight and nine are designed to restore a person to wholeness to the degree possible. And In that context, for me to make an amends to me, you have to say, you were sorry you did that thing or behaved that way. You have to say that to me, just to me. You can't dance around it, not to me. You have to say, I'm sorry I did that. If you say something to me in front of others that makes me feel humiliated and is humiliating and rude, you owe an amends to me. I do not take private apologies for public humiliation, because my good name has deteriorated to all the people there. That is the way they can speak to me if you speak to me that way. So you, if you do that, have to restore me to wholeness in front of everyone. Otherwise, that job is not done. Of course, I know everybody, not everybody can go back. I know it's hard to do. I've taken amends of that nature, but I, I will never speak to that person again. I will, I will always be afraid of them because they did not restore me in front of the others. So I'm just saying uh, that this is very, and I do have freedom. I have the freedom to speak my peace. I know how to speak. My motives are pure. I don't really want to make formal amends again. I do a 10th step. I take care of myself for what I say. And most of the time, I'm trying not to say anything. Really anything. Because really, people just don't want to hear that much from me. <laughs> so, and I don't have the answers. And um, I think that, that I'll, I'll stop there. I just say, oh, A has taught me to love myself. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Megan. And um, we're going to now switch to Carolyn G., who is our next speaker. Now that I know who it is, sorry about that, Carolyn.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I'm going to spotlight you. And thank you very much. And we're and Anne is going to be our interpreter and they've switched so have a good thank you very much carolyn
3: thank you hello my name is carolyn and i'm a compulsive overeater i live in connecticut and i have been attending oa since 1991
1: i was 49 years old at the time i've relied on the oa fellowship which I
3: first found to be absolutely miraculous in getting me out of my depression and the steps and my sponsors and especially my higher power for abstinence and for peace around food since that first meeting in 1991. When I came in, I weighed about 50 pounds more than I do now, I'm one. So 50 pounds makes quite a difference. I lost the weight slowly over about two years as I worked the steps with a sponsor
1: and followed a food plan. I'm a real volume eater. The disease of more is what I heard
3: a number of years ago, which really rang a bell for me. This tastes good. The answer to that is... I got to eat more. And I also had a compulsive grazing behavior as part of my uh, disease. And um, I've gotten to know both of them over the years. Both of these uh, alerts is how I think of them for my uh, in order to maintain abstinence. My food plan in the beginning was rather large meals and it now consists of three moderate meals a day and i usually weigh and measure my food at home which i think of as reminder and educational because i don't have a natural ability to quantify things um in a reliable way so i find that uh, tool of measuring and weighing my food at home, uh, a real support. Um, So I started working the steps mostly in 1992. I spent most of 1992 on my fourth and fifth step. And I started the eighth and ninth step and worked that step most of 1993. So during my fifth step, my sponsor had made some notes. And when we finished, he gave me the notes and told me to put them away
1: and look at them when I started my eighth step, which I did. The list of names from
3: my fifth step helped me begin to make my own eighth step list because that was what I was told. Don't think about the rest of step eight. The first part is making that list. So I did, and I added some names, and for each one, I wrote, um, I think everybody got a page. He said, write down everything that you think you owe an amends for, and we'll talk about it, which is what we did. And of course, as we
1: talked about it, I saw that some were not really appropriate as amends. I really feel that our discussions about each amends and why
3: I needed to make them were so helpful. I began to, just in the process of discussing that, I began to feel the connections between my actions and inactions and the effect that had on other people. It wasn't an intellectual connect the dots. It was a real feeling as I went through that eight-step list. But one eight-step on the list stopped me cold because I could not, was not willing to consider forgiving a sibling for sexual abuse in my childhood. So my sponsor said, why not talk to our fellow OA member who had shared In her openly, how she had worked the steps with a similar experience. This woman guided me through the healing process of forgiving my relative and
1: forgiving myself. For me, the OA steps towards forgiveness were very, very effective. First, I wrote out an exact description of how I was harmed and why I was angry. This was the first time I had put my anger and my hurt into
3: words, and it was very clarifying. I saw that there was truly a limit to the hurt, a beginning and an end. I gave up my writing to this person and to my higher power. And when I did that, I saw how forgiving was releasing me from the bondage of a confusing, painful childhood memory. I was finally ready to begin making my amends. And as I began to make amends, I wrote down what I would say. And I must say word for word before I approached the person. And that was something that my, my sponsor had been quite clear about. And that was so helpful because I used that as a guide when I spoke to the person. Now, I was kind of forced to start making the amends because that was the thing, you know, that really terrified me of looking at the person in the eye and saying these things admitting where I had gone wrong. And I was kind of forced by a work situation. A coworker and I had clashed on day one. Then the two of us had to attend a departmental meeting together. And the meeting was a two hour drive away and we would have to drive up for two hours, drive back for two hours, just the two of us. And I knew I would not make it. I felt like, oh, my head is gonna explode if I don't make this amends before. So I did. I very simply, before we left campus, I very simply made my amends to the coworker. And of course she was a little stunned for a moment. This is not a normal conversation in the first place. But then she graciously accepted my amends. So I was so grateful <laughs> because we had a pleasant drive, a pleasant work day, and we developed a much better working relationship. We never became close, close friends, but we were friendly colleagues. My most significant amends, I feel of course, were made to my family, especially to my three teenage daughters and to my family of origin. My sponsor had emphasized that when I make amends, I need to give a specific example of a harm I had done. So a general description of, say, sorry when I lose my temper would not do. I had to bring up a situation that I remembered where I needed to make amends for losing my temper. Or if I was inattentive, or said hurtful words, that, wouldn't, that would not work. I would have to think of a time and describe it to the person I was making amends to. It made it real for me and I feel like for the people I was making amends to. So an example of that is when I made amends to my youngest daughter, I described a time when I had not protected her.
1: When her harsh piano teacher actually made her cry. And I did not
3: try to protect her or comfort her then. And I was sitting right there. When this came up in my memory, I was just gut punched. I just couldn't believe.
1: I couldn't understand how how that had happened, but I brought it up and I made my amends.
3: And after making amends to my three daughters, I began to see that that had opened a way for them to talk to me. In a very honest way about my mistakes and about how I may have hurt their feelings. And I feel like it changed the foundation of our relationship from that time forward. The youngest daughter was 13, the oldest daughter was 22 at the time, and it really did shift. In fact, my daughter was, shortly after I made amends, I think maybe two years later, We were, something was going on in the house and and my youngest daughter said to me, mom, I feel like you're doing the same thing that you apologized for and said you
1: never wanted to do it again. And I was, you know, confronted
3: with the gift of her honesty. We were able to mend the relationship right there, right, right then and there. So it seems to me, and it seemed to me at the time, that making amends was creating a bridge between each child and me. And that bridge was both ways. They could come to me and say they were upset about something, and I could come to them and say they needed to change something, etc., they, they felt safer, I think, to talk about my mistakes and how their feelings were, you know, because it was not that necessarily safe before, before OA. I was way too much my way or the highway in my style of um, parenting.
1: So later,
3: when I divorced their father and the children were going out on their own to build their adult lives, um, I felt like my openness and our ability to listen to each other helped them stay connected with me and to stay um, engaged in each other's lives. And we have in the decades since then. And for my parents, I had withdrawn from my parents pretty much after I left in my 20s. I did not contact them much. And I had grown up in rural Virginia. So going to New York City right after college and not contacting them was awful. So I made amends for that. And I have to say that the amends when i made this amends to my mother it did not grow smoothly from my perspective because she started to pile on and another thing and another thing and another thing and so we were told of course you do not do not argue back do not say yes but you did this and um Or did that make a difference? I did have to pray for her quite a few times after that, and that did help. But during those weeks that I was praying for her,
1: our relationship improved enormously. And I also had a um, living amends
3: that was suggested to me, that is there a way I could make A living amends for the decades that I had not been in good touch, had not been engaged in their lives very much, or theirs to mine. Perhaps I could make a living amends going forward. And they were in their 70s at the time, I think. And I did make living living amends by driving them to see their family and friends at our annual family reunion because that was so important to them. And I just thought that in retrospect, that was just a wonderful gift from the program because we had real honest talks in the five hour drive from their house to the reunion. And I was so grateful to let them know and to get to know them, let them know me and I could get to know them as adults. Because i Carolyn, felt- you have five <clears throat> minutes remaining. Thank you. Thank you. I felt that- Thank you. <clears throat> I felt that I had been released from my self-centered adolescence and I could be with them as an loving adult child. And I still cherish that time and those memories. So in other ways, my amends changed my relationship with food, Thanksgiving and my family because I had Thanksgiving meant my drive down to Virginia and I had certain foods I had to eat or else it wouldn't be Thanksgiving. And I was able to use the suggestion in the big book about going to places where there would be a lot of drinking or in my case, all about eating food. And they said, be sure you are on solid spiritual ground before you start and that your motive for going is thoroughly good, which of course, put the food off the agenda. And then it says, do not think of what you will get out of the occasion Think of what you can bring to it. And so prayerfully and intentionally, I focused my attention on all the people who came to Thanksgiving. And I reached out. I opened up to my nieces and nephews, you know, the next generation down. And some were still children. And that openness that we established during Thanksgiving has really been wonderful as they grew up. Had their own families, and we are still in good touch. And I feel like I, you know, kind of know them and they and they know me. I have been, just begun my 80th year of living and my 31st year in OA. Physical challenges are naturally occurring, and I'm adjusting with a minimum of um, grumbling and complaining. As my nutritional needs change, I check with my sponsor before modifying my plan of eating. I attend OA meetings weekly and give service because I need OA in my life for the rest of my life. I'm grateful for all the OA steps have made possible, teaching me how to live abstinently through the 12 steps. The eighth and ninth step showed me how to be okay with me so I can be okay with others. So in 1993, these steps helped me to begin, my, to end my isolation
1: from other people and from God. And I am so very grateful. You done? Yes, yeah, you oh. up her prayer hands. okay, well, welcome
0: back. Um I'm gonna ask both of the speakers to be spotlighted and to leave your monitors put on your screens again, so we've got so that we can um have questions and answers.
1: And I'm gonna add, okay, so does
0: anybody have any questions? I don't see anything in the Q&A. So if anybody is sitting in the audience and would like to ask a question, we would really love to hear that.
1: There have been some chat comments. Uh, we haven't had any questions.
0: Okay. Um, we have one question. <clears throat> one question. How was, how has making amends changed for you over time?
1: And it's for both of you. Um, I can go first, Megan, then? Sure, sure. Okay. So I would say
3: that the amends I mentioned in my talk are pretty much the, the channels that tell you, you know, how I am living my life with it. If I feel that I have something bothering me that, I'm not sure it was the right thing to do or not to do. Um, I usually check with my sponsor before I decide to go and make amends um, because sometimes there's still a tendency to try to control relationships by this process uh, rather than to acknowledge and make a commitment never to do that again. So... um, I check with my sponsor and if she's not immediately available for whatever reason, I can check with somebody else in my program that, you know, I think of as my committee, uh, step committee. Um, and then once that's clear, then I just make amends as described,
1: as we've talked about. Megan, do you want
0: to share? Uh,
2: yeah, just repeat the question.
0: Um, how is making amends changed for you over time?
2: Uh, but, you know, I, I never had to make a, um, uh, formal, uh, ninth step type amend ever again. And, uh, what I do is, uh, step 10, a hundred percent right away. And, uh, I used to before steps eight and nine, it, it, it always took me like two decades to get any result from any of the steps, you know, that I could discern that I knew understood was, Oh, I changed. Um, and what I used to shy away from saying, I'm sorry, because if you said you were sorry, you were wrong and you had to lie down and let the other person step on you. That's what I thought. So what's changed is I make amends like right away. Oh, I'm so sorry. I did that. I said that it's my fault. I, uh, did not perceive it correctly. I misunderstood. It's really completely made. Oh, you know, uh, don't even think it's you uh and i i'm able to do that like that uh, and i'm i'm very very happy with that i don't think about it again and what has also changed is i understand completely if somebody doesn't do a formal straight amend whether it's a ninth step or a tenth step inventory amend to me uh i can hear it because I know how to do a straight amend because I'm honest and I'm free that my goal in OA was freedom. Uh, Freedom from compulsive overeating and freedom to do and say the right thing as I thought was right. And steps eight and nine and continuing into 10 allows me to do that.
1: Megan, that's two minutes.
2: Yeah.
0: Thank you very much. Um, we have another question about how. What about making amends to a deceased person? I'm, Go ahead, Carolyn.
3: I made a very important amends uh, to a deceased person, and um, as I said, and this was back in 1993. Again, and again, it had to do with um, a broken relationship. As I went to college and got too smart and graduated and went to New York. So no contact, no response from people who reached out to me. And one of those people was a very, very important teacher for me and friend and mentor and spiritual guide. And she had said something or whatever. I was a sophomore in college. I said, that's enough. You know, I'm not going to even answer this. And it had bothered me all those years. So I went back. I went through the amends with my sponsor, as I had mentioned. And I was on this long drive to Virginia. So I went to D.C. I went to Richmond. And then I went to the Delmarva Peninsula. And all along the way, I would be meeting with siblings and um, parents and other people, and there was a cemetery where I knew this teacher had been buried, and um, that's where I went to make the amends, and then I felt I needed to get a little bit closer, so I went to the church where she had been married, and we had shared that church, and then further up the road, God led me to turn off to where she lived with her husband at the time before she died and found her daughter and made amends by talking to her about how wonderful her mother was because her mother had died from alcoholism and it was devastating to everybody who knew her. And so I made amends by talking to her about how wonderful she was as a teacher and as a mentor and so forth. So that was my amends.
1: Thank you,
2: two minutes.
0: Megan, do you want to comment on that?
2: No, I do not have any experience with that.
0: Okay. All right. Um, We have, how do you make amends to someone like a sibling for things done over 10 years ago, like dishonesty, hostility, being rude, mean, when it feels like there's so much to apologize for, but no specific examples? Does so either one
1: of you want to answer that one? Go ahead, Carolyn.
2: Go ahead, Carolyn. I can go. Okay. Megan? Yeah, yeah. Uh I, I have a brother and uh I uh owed him in, in one in one respect I owed him financial amends. I paid him back with hundreds of dollars of interest. That was my amends, and I said I was sorry that it took so long (laughs) and uh, he didn't mind. Um, And uh, yeah, my my feeling is uh, that in spite of the fact that there's no obvious specific event, that somehow that sibling will know exactly what you mean uh, or at least something akin to it. And that it would be very worth it to make that list of things that you think are so bad that you did and forgive yourself for doing them. And go to your sibling and ask uh, and make an amend to them by saying, I'm sorry I did that. I, I I, I'm really sorry, I'm not like that. I will not be like that to you. And I'm really sorry for that that past. That's all I have.
0: Thank you, Megan. Uh, Carolyn, do you wanna comment on that?
1: Yes,
3: I did have a sibling that I felt <clears throat> I had behaved disgustingly to. She was born blind and at the time had to go away from home at six years old to a school for the blind, and I felt that every time she came home, I picked on her, and I tried to straighten her out. Whatever she was doing, no, this is how you do it, et cetera. And so I was the older sister, and um, I felt that I had been really mean to her. So I drove to Richmond, and we sat down, and I made this. We had a wonderful visit, by the way, and because uh, we both, our kids were about the same age, and I made my amends and I was, I had my heart in my throat. I just couldn't believe I had been so mean to her. And what she said to me was Carolyn, I believe you were the only one in the family that treated me like a normal person. And I knew then what she meant because, you know, this poor blonde little blind girl never was allowed in the, you know, the scrum of life. She was always overly protected and not allowed to bump into people and, you know, have fights or whatever. Um, so we became very close after that. Now, that that's my experience with a sibling. Um, and I've felt so much better since then because <laughs> it really weighed on me.
0: Sure. Thank you. Um how much time between your eighth and ninth step and any other way to apologize without actually saying I'm sorry
1: either one of you want to comment on that yeah I can
3: hi okay Um, the not saying I'm sorry part is irrelevant because once I bring up I remember the time that blah, 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 then it naturally flows that I, I feel terrible that I did that or that I didn't do that and the reasons why and just say, I don't want to be that kind of person and I don't want to ever do that again so that like my daughter, if you do it again, they can call you on it and then you can move ahead so it's really about the relationship and i'm not sure i remember the other
2: part of the question but um does how that how much time it was how much time between 8 and 9 oh time between 8
3: and 9 i don't remember any time between 8 and 9 really i mean it just happened and okay i t- as i mentioned i had to do it Rather shortly because I wasn't going to get in the car with this person and have my head explode as we drove two hours together, to, uh, you know, just the two of us. So,
2: I, I think I think mine took. Uh, uh, I I don't have an answer to how else to say except I'm sorry. You know, I think think that was a good answer, Carolyn. Uh, um, I, I I think it took um, several weeks after I finished. Uh, the eighth step I think I was hoping I would never really have to do step (laughs) nine. (laughs) I said oh god you know that's finished I did it the way my sponsor wanted to (laughs) what more could you possibly want from me (laughs) I really didn't want to do this (laughs) and um you know i thought if i could just pin it up on a wall or something you know i not not face to face you know and uh it, was, so it took <laughs> it took a couple of weeks to make the appointment and then see my father and then uh, see my mother separately and, so it did take a little bit of time
0: Okay, so what do you say to a sponsee who is unwilling to make amends?
3: I would say exactly what my sponsor said to me years after 1993, when I was doing the steps for the first time. And I had this huge resentment against my uh, boss because I went back to work full time. I was already 59 years old. So I had been running my own business, so to speak, in the house. And I resented virtually everything this woman did or said. And so I said, my sponsor said, you're going to have to work the fourth step on this resentment. And I said, well, I don't want to. And she said, okay, but I can guarantee you that if you don't do it, you're going to relapse. So you make the choice. And I feel the same way about making amends, especially since someone who had been my sponsor but was no longer would come to meetings again and again and said that there was no way that he could make amends to his ex.
1: And don't you know, he went out of the program because he really got stuck there.
2: Yeah, I um um uh my my sponsor uh oh I, he he would always threaten me, my step sponsor. He would say well, you are just like one of the things that Carolyn just said. Uh he he, he would say, Well, you know, you know you can't remain absent. Mm-hmm. Oh god. You can't remain absent if you're gonna not, not do this. I'm not I'm not helping you. He would threaten to leave. <laughs> I'm not helping you. You can't remain abstinent. You have to do it. You know. I thought, oh, oh, this is this. Is, this. He's lying. He won't leave me. That wasn't true. Uh, he he would he would have. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't matter if I do them. That thinking thinking you know having written them is. Enough to remain absent. I don't have to do them. That is not true. Uh, he 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 was right it was hard to hear but i would not have him as a sponsor and i would not be abstinent if i did not do it so uh you know you could you could wait a little you know uh, maybe you know that in that never category you know and then do the ones that are in the like i'm okay to do that now and then the 3 month or 6 month category uh you know we'll wait for those and then try it in another 6 months to get to the i'll never do this amend. Um, I just had to keep moving on. You know, just. Okay.
0: Um, there's one more comment and then we're going to close. Uh, thank you for it. It's from Irene. And she says, thank you. I think those amends look a lot, the, a lot and really paid off. <laughs> I still can't break through, but pray this may be all. I'm able to do. Thank you both. Okay, so um, and with that, it's seven o'clock, so we're going to end, we're going to close with the serenity prayer. God, grant us the serenity to accept the things, the things we I cannot, cannot change, change, the courage, courage to, to change, change the things, the things we can, can and the wisdom we to know, know the
1: difference, difference. that